Hi, this is Better at Than Dead, a literature podcast from the left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today is the first of two episodes on Moby Dick, which is Herman Melville's 1851 novel about a big ass whale, which is definitely efficient. Don't let any scientist tell you different. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so why Moby Dick, one of our rare, common, fully agreed upon picks, Katie? One of our, yes, we usually, we usually have to do WrestleMania, um, (laughs) but this one, it was okay. Um, Okay. Well, 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 if it isn't Moby Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've been quarantined, haven't we? (laughs) Oh yeah, things are, things are deteriorating. Thank you to a uh, friend of the pod, Jillian, who blackmailed me into doing that joke. No, just kidding. It was great. Um, thanks. Thanks for the joke, Jillian. Uh, and in all sincerity, this is absolutely my favorite novel. And like not to have a smart wank fest, um, but just because you can just say you can say dick as many times as you want in front of God and your teacher and you can't get in trouble. True. <laughs> um, it's also like Ahab is is metal as fuck. Uh, he's like a classic literary type, the monomaniac, which uh, I I feel the way about the monomaniac, the way that Meg feels about our grand literary tradition of sibling incest. It's your um, very, it's your very fave, or it's one of your top three. It's in the it's in the top three, absolutely. That and people getting horny for Jesus. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> but they're but they're often the same thing. Oh, yeah, so, that's true. <laughs> you get a two-for-one special a lot of the time. And right, right after I first read Moby Dick in high school, I was introduced to the band Mastodon, whose album Leviathan is uh, all about Moby Dick. It's a Moby Dick concept album. And the greatest <laughs> song on it uh, involves a dude screaming, White Whale, Holy Grail, repeatedly. And it's like a 12 minutes, it's like 12 minutes long. Of course it is. Yeah. That's amazing. Because yeah. I want to be. Uh, also, one, one simply has to respect the irony of the fact that this novel is a 500 page money shot that a broke guy just like, just like erupted out of his blowhole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Uh, <laughs> the, the last thing I'll say is. <laughs> The last thing I'll say, and then before we say more shit together, um, is why read this? Why read this? Well, why write this? (laughs) I'll tell you. I'll tell you why Melville wrote it. Because in 1838, he read a little article called Mocha Dick or the White Whale of the Pacific and was like, if I take my unceasing desire to yap about whales and human tragedy and sin and the soul and just mix it all around with this hilariously named whale. (laughs) I might be able to make a whole wad of cash. And he was wrong about that part. (laughs) Entirely wrong. (laughs) But he really had something. And so now, now we have it. It's a gift to humanity. Yep. Indeed. Yeah, uh, so I, I like I I get I I really love how much the three of us love this. Uh, that that yeah. is fun, um, and like yeah, I, this novel just owns so goddamn much. Um, I think this is the third time I've read it through, 
And it's it's just fucking great. And not only does it live up to its literary reputation, which I think is fairly rare. Like a lot of books is like, oh, this is so, like such high literature. I'm kind of like, this oh yeah, is- like they never do. No, but this they one almost, totally does. I, I completely yes, I agree. It's like it's one it's one of those books that I was resistant to to reading for a long time because of that. But then I was like, oh wait, people are actually right about this, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and not and just like, dickheads; like funny weirdos are into this too. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, and I think that I I realize that like it's not just dickheads; it's actually like cool people think that this is a good a good book. Um, and, and I do like I think it's a pleasure to read. Like I mean, I even like a page turner, uh, which I know sounds crazy but like one thing i want to stress for people who haven't read it uh or or, like had to read it for like some kind of shitty survey class not that all survey classes are shitty um and and they just didn't you know like (laughs) like it or don't feel like they understand it it is fucking hilarious like like i mean yes it is about sort of big existential questions you know order and chaos you know what meaning is like structures of power um it's definitely about queerness which i know we'll talk about it's definitely about race and ethnicity which we'll talk about there's there's a ton here um but one thing melville stresses over and over again in response to those kind of big kind of epistemic or existential questions and yeah sure this is pessimistic but so the fuck what is just like the absurdity of everything like at least from a human or individual perspective um and just to give you an example of what i'm talking about uh there's a description of a painting which we will talk about today in an early chapter where the picture is like kind of so smoky and shitty that no one knows what it is but ishmael becomes convinced it's a sperm whale impaling itself on the mass of a big ass whaling ship which obviously is not a fucking thing, right? It's like, it's a ridiculous image. And every time I read this, I'm like, dudes, people, he is fucking with us. Um, and, you know, plus it's a novel that uh, it tries to be about, <laughs> you know, an epic of labor and workers. And it's about a ship, uh, which I don't know if I mentioned is my jam. So, you know. It's a big fat punch in the face to Edmund Burke. Like, what's sublime, you dickhead? No, it, that is right. It's like, oh, this sublime, you know, sublime, it, it, it causes, oh, terror. It's like, oh, it's so big and scary. What if it's a fucking whale jumping out of the water and just like doing a belly flop <laughs> on his ship? Like, is that sublime, Edmund Burke? Yeah. Yeah. He's just, it's Biggest fuck slime. everybody. Yeah. Um, okay. So like both of you, I love, I love this book. And Katie in particular knows about my history with this book, which is that like, I read it for my comps in graduate school. I hadn't read it before and I hated it. Like I, I really was just like, I wanted it to be a novel and not like whatever it actually is, which is like (laughs) a giant mind fuck. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't respect the craft, man. I like, I just, I wanted it to be a different thing. And I, I read it again and I fully did a 180. Like I, I remember telling you, Katie, that I hated it, and I'm pretty sure that you were like, "I don't love you anymore." Uh, what I want to say now is, I accept your apology. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I apologize. It was a wrong opinion, <laughs> and I could accept that. But I also love that you can ask basically anyone who's read it what this book is about, and. They'll give you a different answer every time. Like I've asked all of my friends who've read it and I've never heard the same answer twice. And (laughs) they're all right. Mm -hmm. Like a smart person. And you're like, what's this about? And they say the phallus. And you're like, yeah, for (laughs) sure. And I, I have to admit, like I maybe, I don't think this is in contradiction to you, Tristan, but I actually find it a difficult book. Um, That might be a matter of like where I come from in terms of my literary knowledge Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's 
that partly that I'm like always looking for a way to read it that makes sense. And it's just too, uh, it's too grand for that. Yeah. I, and you know what? Like, I actually think the fact that I do view it as so, like, the humor as so central to it helps with that. Like, because I think sometimes, like, questions that I probably should pause a little bit more over, I'm like, ah, he's just, he's just fucking jerking this off right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which might not be the right way of reading it, but. I just get stuck on like a dildo, like some dildo sitting on top of the of the little mast, uh, not the masthead, but the like uh, crow's nest, looking <laughs> out, and I'm like, oh no, I lost, I lost my way. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something yeah. terrible has happened, and I'm ended up in a crow's nest. You know, like I just I encounter those chapters and go, what. what's what's wrong with me (laughs) right right, yeah no no, it's a hard book it's a hard book it's a hard book what i will say this is what i've always i always want to say in like what i always wanted to say in class teaching melville but wasn't allowed to for obvious reasons is you don't have to be horny to read melville but it helps yeah (laughs) it absolutely helps yes i mean something's extra horny but Mm. uh including this but like also like yes melville is fucking with us but i think he's also like he's having a ton of fun he's following his truth and he's just writing the thing that he wants to write uh this is no pierre or you know omu this is this is following a dream and i respect that that's real shit um it's real shit and then there's there's like so many questions here about empire and and ships and animal agency and representations of historical events and race and labor and whales. Also, everything is whales. I accept that now. <laughs> um, uh, whales are better than fish, are which are also whales are fish. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, like there are so many. The we could do a, two episodes on just movie versions of this, and. Uh, oh, one of them is the Ron Howard movie called In the Heart of the Ocean, yeah. uh, which is uh, like it's actually about the whale ship Essex. But it's basically like what would what would happen if you took Moby Dick and took out all the gay stuff and all the fun stuff? Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I I did, and I totally agree with that. I did enjoy that movie. I think more than you did because it's a fairly recent. Uh, a movie about a ship um also i mean i like hot men and i thought i would like it and it's not sufficiently no it ain't no right. star trek right well I've, I've said you should watch dunkirk for that reason and but you're like yeah well you have watched dunkirk. i've just, seen it yeah you just you don't you're not you don't the tom hardy flying around a spitfire doesn't doesn't do it for you in the way it's it not a deep me. enough it's not a deep enough bench i'm just saying star trek has like a lineup and like yes. yeah. no just one tom hardy i've seen fucking venom which is like a catastrophe of a movie i do not recommend <laughs> it at all if, if you want to make it to the playoffs you got to have a deep pool of hot dudes right that's all i'm saying you have to have you have to have a deep bench yeah <laughs> and uh, really the point is is everything is hot men butts whales Indians who are are they that I don't know sort of the indigene and weird thoughts in a crow's nest Mm -hmm. weird thoughts in a crow's nest indeed this this has helped me despite 
the common deterioration of our world feel that there is a spot of meaninglessness that gives me pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I'm going down the whale hole. Yeah. What are we, 15 minutes in? Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I feel like you are are on Melville's wavelength right now. um, You have entered the whale zone. I've only been talking to one other person and a baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about the Spouter in Chapter and uh, the place itself. We're going to be talking about Queequeg and Ishmael's sweet relationship. And we are going to be talking about the famous Cytology chapter. All right. So Katie, as best you can, give us the context for the arrival of this novel upon the world. Well, this novel was born in 1851, but Herman Melville was born in 1819. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, so the way that the way that uh, I'm going to do this is so for the first part of our two-part Moby Dick extravaganza, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Melville and the publication of Moby Dick and sort of how it was received. Well, let me tell let me tell you a little story that begins, uh, wah, wah, the crying of Herman Melville in 1819. <laughs> uh, so, you're, so young Herman's dad... Uh, thought you were supposed to do rich dad, poor dad in that order. So first he like imported French stuff and made money. Uh, and then he lost it all. So, something related to furs, an Etsy store of furs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so the Melvilles were quite poor and Herman did a bunch of shitty jobs. One of which was working for his uncle, mm-hmm. which is just the, the, it's a lot of family stuff. Um, and- and he and his family was like kind of a, a sort of big deal, right? Like his grandfather was like a general in Washington's army and stuff. Like they're kind of one of these like old root sort of families going back to the Dutch era and shit like that. Yeah, and then he married. He married rich, mm-hmm. and his his father in law was a judge who wound up supporting him financially, which which I won't get into. But <laughs> yeah. yikes! Or you know, I don't know that it works that great for Herman Melville. So. Yikes on that on those grounds alone. I don't know. I'm hoping my third husband is rich. <laughs> yeah. I believe in that dream for all of us. All of us. May all our third husbands be rich. Um but Melville's third husband was not rich. Uh so he like did a bunch of shitty jobs and then when he was 20, uh he decided he would take up his harpoon and become a seaman. Um <laughs> When he was young and dumb and full of cum. <laughs> yes, he was He was indeed young, dumb, and full of cum. Uh, he was captured in the Marquesas um, after he deserted his ship. He did a lot of fucking around on these ships he was on. And the first time was when he deserted and uh, was captured. And he wrote a book called Taipei about this experience and all of the tits that he looked at during this time. <laughs> also a crazy fucking book, too. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> something. Um, so so then he went to Tahiti and he d- he participated in a mutiny on the Lucianne, uh, a a lamely named ship, and then he became a potato farmer after he was released from jail from that. Yes, this is one hundred percent real. <laughs> then 
he became a harpooner on another ship with a whack ass name, the Charles and Henry, which sounds like an artisanal chocolate company. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, then he joined the Navy in 1843 to travel the world and kill people, <laughs> and did his his next step was to move into his mom's basement and start writing. And full then, of Kerouac. Full of Kerouac. And then fast forward in time to the moment when he read Mocha Dick and his galaxy brain found its perfect subject. So tappy tap tap went the keyboard and scratchy scratch scratch went the quill pen. And he said, hey, I wrote a big book about whales and I'm going to send it to my best friend in the whole wide world, Nathaniel Hawthorne. <laughs> and <Hearts>. then... <laughs> And then Hawthorne read Melville's draft and was like, Dear Herman, thank you so much for this essay about whales, which was a pleasure to read. Next time you might consider not just making it about fucking whales, Jesus Christ, holy shit, no one wants to read that. You should make it an absolutely bonkers ass allegory and just get totally nutty with it. And also, I know that I'm your best friend, but you are not my best friend. <laughs> I love their relationship so much. <laughs> hey, it could have been Bronson Alcott, you know, could have been a lot worse. Oh, yeah, true, true. Could have been a lot worse. But but I will say, this is also like, shout out to Hawthorne for making this book as as awesome as it is, because that's, that's a true. huge part of the reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the book came out in 1851, which was a very odd time in American history, um, which we'll talk about next week. It's interesting. There's also like, tons of zany bullshit around the publication of this book. So for the British version, they accidentally put the wrong, like Herman Melville changed his mind about what he wanted the title to be the, the night before. And he just <laughs> stuck in like the whale as a placeholder. So it was just printed off. A bunch of the whale was just printed off. And some of the, in some versions, half the pages were missing. So people were like, what the fucking shit is this? <laughs> um, and the review, the reviews sort of reflect this. So I just want to pull out one, one by uh, a coward who did not sign the review from <laughs> from eighteen fifty one, the year it was released. Somebody who did uh, student evaluations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the author has read laboriously to make a show of psychological learning. Herman Melville is wise in this sort of wisdom. He uses it, burn. He uses it as a <laughs> stuffing to fill out his skeleton story. Bad stuffing it makes, serving only to try the patience of his readers and to tempt them to wish both him and his whales at the bottom of an unfathomable <laughs> sea. And, Jesus Christ. And then, but then, then the reviewer gets to the nice part of the shit sandwich, uh, which is bread. <laughs> Um, Melville has earned a deservedly high reputation for his performances in descriptive fiction. He has gathered his own materials and traveled along fresh and untrodden literary paths, exhibiting powers of no common order and great originality. The more careful, therefore, should he be to maintain the fame he so rapidly acquired and not waste his strength on such purposeless and unequal doings as these rambling volumes about spermaceti whales. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
I, I two things. What I like, I love. We have this like uh, presumption that like, oh, they were more dignified. When I say we, I mean like fucking libs and centrist morons. Uh, <laughs> like they were, they were more polite in the past and more dignified. It's like no, they fucking weren't. Like I mean, far from it. Like actually, uh, uh, when when Wordsworth published, I think it was the Excursion or what might have been the Prelude. Both of which are way too long and do kind of suck. Uh, Francis Jeffrey, who is like, this famous reviewer in Britain, his, his the start at the beginning of his review is just this will never do exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing is you were telling us uh, or reminding us of Melville's awesome biography, Katie. Um, we talk about the fail son a lot on this show, but oh my God, like, this, like I mean, Melville knew how to be a fuck up. Like, I mean, he knew that in his oh, fucking yeah. bones, you know? Like. Yeah, no, he did. It's so funny because like D.H. Lawrence is not my favorite for for reasons that maybe for fascism no reasons yeah for 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 fascism reasons and and other reasons too i mean if you need any others um <laughs> he he read moby dick and was like oh jesus this book makes me want to get drunk like that was <laughs> fair <laughs> like even he could sort of uh could sense the fail sonnery emanating from the pages yeah the, yeah. the sadness and desperation and fail sonnery of this beautiful novel yeah it really is a beautiful, enormous object. He should not have cut a fucking word. No, he should have written more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did he cut more? I mean, I know he said Hawthorne helped him make this better, but did I mean that that must have only been a process of adding, not not cutting from this, right? Like, <laughs> oh, it just because this reviewer was like, "This should be like twenty pages long," and I'm yeah. just like, "No, nah, nah, dude, like, don't cut a word. Just yeah." This is, this is, you know, this is as tight as Ulysses and fuck you both for whatever you're about to say. I <laughs> thought that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh. I have read it now and I'm happy about having done that. Well, I'm not. <laughs> no, I am. I'm just. I'm just fucking around. I'm just being a dick. I'm just being a no. I actually dick. did. I did. I did like Ulysses for real. Yeah, well, no, it was it was character building. We'll see what happens when I I've never read Middlemarch, so that's my <laughs> next uh, tri- trial. <laughs> the trials and tribulations of uh of of three podcasters. Tune in each week to find out. <laughs> yeah, three podcasters on isolation. <laughs> oh man, with uh, only our horrible animals to keep us company. Okay. Um, Katie, tell us what happens in the first half of this book. Well, as you both know, Moby Dick famously starts, there once was a man from Nantucket. I'm <laughs> 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 just kidding. Uh, but but Ishmael, the main dude, the narrator guy, the main one, he's headed to Nantucket to go to sea. And it's kind of a guy thing where you either get it or you don't about the whole ocean shit. No, I, I get it. I, I get it. sure i sort of do okay um you're both teenage boys in different ways uh (laughs) true uh the first stop on his journey to find a boat that he likes is the spouter inn where he meets weird ass landlord peter coffin who has a magic eye painting that we'll get into later but all you need to know for now is that it's covered in soot and piss just like everything in the 19th century Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's there's no room here for Ishmael to get his own bunk, so he has to get cozy with Queequeg, who is a harpooner from the South Pacific. 
And at first when he sees him, he's like, ah, you have a man bun and you're covered in cool tattoos. That's so scary. But then they become best friends. And like, not- like sweet, like sweet, sweetie pie, sweetheart, best friends. Sweetie pie. Yes. Yes. Sweetie pie, sweetheart, best friends. Not the kind who like punch each other and wrestle, but the kind who smoke weed together and who are also in love. Yes. Yes, and 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 married. They say they were husband, man, and wife is is, is on words. many occasions. Yes, many occasions. Yeah, Ma- many occasions, many occasions. But they seem they seem better than that. Like being married is you know a little not not cool. They, 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 yeah, no, I mean they're they it's a very happy marriage between Queequeg and and Ishmael. Right, it's a metaphorical marriage. It's not like a it's not like a marriage marriage. <laughs> well, by the end, Ishmael's going to be like, "Take my wife, please." Oh no, Queequeg's going to be like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, any of us would take. Let's take a moment to talk. Uh, just, just pause at Queequeg here in the summary because he's cool as fuck, and he does shit like he uses his harpoon to eat dinner, which um people <laughs> don't love. He's also a small business entrepreneur. Um, he goes around town selling shrunken heads and just kind of being the shit. And him and, and Ishmael um, have a lot of like really adorable slumber parties, like you two said, where they stay up all night talking, playing footsie. And um, then at one po- point, they put their foreheads together and Queequeg says, we're married. Okay. <laughs> they're married. Have you – do you understand that they're married? They're married. They touch butts. That's <laughs> their vows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's their vows. The first 12 chapters of this are like a rom-com. That's what you need to know about the first 12. But things take a real turn all of a sudden when they get on the first boat that they have to take to get to the other more important boat in Nantucket. And once they get there, Queequeg talks to Yojo, his carved wooden figure who he consults and worships about what boat they should go on. And Yojo's like, Ishmael's got to pick the ship. So Queequeg's like, Okay, Ishmael, you seem like a dude who has never made a single good decision in your life, but Yojo <laughs> says that you have to select our vessel, uh, probably because we're married and happy wife, happy life. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so for just a moment on how dumb Ishmael is, he has three choices here. He can either take the metal choice, the devil dam, the booby honking choice of ship, the titbit, or the third, the Pequod. And this fool picks the Pequod because it looks like shit. And for some reason, that's manly. Excuse me. The Pequod is an excellent pizza shop right here in Chicago. It is. that It, it is indeed. And also, I mean- There's it, no like, way Katie likes deep dish just like out of pure animus, but it's very good. It is. Hey, I like deep dish. You do? Yeah. Okay. I, I just thought you wouldn't like it out of some like East Coast- Bullshit. I mean, <laughs> as a transplant, I I also uh, you know I have my East Coast prejudices about pizza. I, I will say deep dish is one of those things. Like once every two or three years, I'm like, oh, that a slice of that sounds good. But but Pequod's is legit good. Um, and also, also it's not pizza. Let's be real. Like it's a different no, kind of food, and that's fine. It's a cake. Yeah, it, totally. Um, and also, but the the Pequod in the novel, yeah, it's covered with cool ass whale bones and whale teeth and stuff. So I don't know what you mean. It looks like shit. Like it, unless that means it looks awesome because it does. <laughs> Well, okay then. <laughs> also, he's communing. He must be communing with Queequeg because it's the name of a of a Indian nation, which is mm-hmm. still alive, which is the Meshantunket Pequod. Indeed, uh, I lo- I I got a little lost on my train of thought here, um, thinking about all the bones um, and how and I pizza. Need to- <laughs> And the pizza and how I'm calling PETA because you and Tristan seem to think it's cool to have whale bones on ships. 
<laughs> Call Greenpeace. They're they they they'll they'll come at you for the whale stuff, man. They will. I'm native. I'm allowed to hunt whales. That's not true. But other native people in ceremonial contexts are allowed to hunt whales. That that is true. But Megan, y- have you read Moby Dick? Because you personally don't want to hunt a whale. No, I under no circumstances want to personally hunt a whale. Well, also in the 19th century, you don't want to hunt a whale. I also don't want to eat whale flesh, which I learned from this novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, that was a learning lesson uh, for <laughs> me too. <laughs> so so anyway, Ishmael picked the ship that you two fools would also have picked, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but so now that he's now that he, Ishmael's picked the ship, he has to get on it with Queequeg, who proceeds immediately to do a lot of real big dick shit. Like when the higher-ups ask what church he belongs to, he does a peace sign and he's like the church of mankind, my groovy dudes. But he is actually serious and it's very touching. And then he's like, yo, you want to see me harpoon? So he finds some oil floating on the surface of the water and he's like, I bet I can hit that. And he gets a bullseye and all the other crew members are like, you are about to make us all the Monopoly guy. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> Then we move on to a sort of classic moment where somebody says, hey, it's probably not a good idea to go in them there woods on that boat with all the bones on it. But Ishmael blows the guy off and they set on their journey on Christmas Day, which tells me that Melville correctly understands that Christmas sucks and nothing good happens on it. Oh, Tristan will be mad. I know. I'm just making Tristan mad. <laughs> but my, my defense is that all the Real Housewives of New York Christmas episodes are a shit show, as are all the boat episodes. <laughs> I mean, it is hard to argue with that, definitely. But um, but I, Katie, I, I would just like to point out, I, if you've never read Moby Dick, you, you know two things, right? You know Ishmael, uh, and and there once was a man named from Mantucket named Ishmael, and, uh, <laughs> and 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 Ahab. Uh, where uh, we we haven't we're at sea. Where where the fuck is the captain? Oh, I'll tell you where the fuck the captain is. <laughs> I'll tell you where the fuck the captain is. So everybody's like. So Ishmael, of course, is like, I'd love to meet this Captain Ahab sword, uh-huh. this fellow. Yeah. And everyone's like, he get his leg, not off. I'm sorry, he's sleeping right now. Uh, but like in the background in Ahab's cabin, you can hear him being like, fuck you, dad. I'm not coming out of my room until I have settled on a monomaniacal vision quest and you can't make me. <laughs> and, and, and also Ahab, right? Like these are all like, well, they're either Quakers. A lot of them are Quakers. Or, but they're in Massachusetts, the whole Puritan tradition. Ahab from the Bible, is he a good guy? A new. Uh, afraid not. <laughs> yeah, afraid, like afraid not good, sir. I like Puritans don't tend to use like bad characters for the Bible for, for or or do they? Is that like a Puritan thing? Like I I shall name you Beelzebub and you shall leave, you shall found this church. Uh, you are correct in thinking that it's not a Puritan thing. <laughs> um, this would be in in the category of things that they would have called not good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and this is one of the few times when they would have been absolutely dead right. Yep. Mm, yep. So, so so Ahab this, Ahab that. We're about to get back to Ahab. But we have other crew members here. Tristan, do you want to fill them fill us in on those? Yes. Uh well, so we have the 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 three so right on the, the officers of the ship, right? Uh start the first, second, and third mate. Uh we have Starbuck, um, uh, Stub and Flask. Uh 
as Starbuck is like, he, well, he, so he's a good Quaker. He's kind of morose as shit. Like we get the sense that he's, he's a good guy, but he's like, he, he's like, I don't know about this. Ahab. He sure seems like a bad dude, but I, I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a good uh, first mate. I could never like upset the order. Like my, my take on cop. Starbuck is like, he's <laughs> like, he's like the obverse of Ahab in a lot of ways. And that like, he like Ahab, like is deeply convinced there's some great wrong in the universe that he's going to write. And like Starbucks sort of also like, so like Ahab has this, like, into, like there's a way things should be right. Um, and they're not. And I think Starbuck is also like deeply committed to that sense of like, there is an order. If only we stick to things. So he's kind of a hard on. Yeah. He's a rules guy. <laughs> yeah. Starbuck is a rules guy. Um, kind of like starry beer. It's pronounced Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of like starry beer veer from billy bud although maybe slightly less tyrannical um stub is like this hilarious like pipe smoking just like fuck off like he just like cracking jokes all the time uh he like uh, we have this great um uh, uh, description like long usage had for this stub converted the jaws of death into an easy chair what he thought of death itself there's no question whether he thought of it at all might be a question but if he ever did chance to cast his mind that way after a comfortable dinner no doubt like a good sailor he took it to be sort of a uh, uh, sort of call of the watch to tumble aloft and bestir themselves there about something which he would find out uh when he obeyed the order and not sooner so he just kind of like look i'm just going to do my job i'm going to smoke my pipe and i'm going to crack jokes um flask is mad constantly and just wants to punch every whale he meets in the face like so so like so so like i and, yep. and like so so basically Stubbs' reaction to like the cruelty and absurdity of the universe is to laugh at it uh, flasks is to fight it um and my theory is that ultimately Stubbs' perspective is probably the closest to the novel as a whole although we'll we can debate that yeah so that that Thank you for that, uh, that, that, uh, that just our little, our org chart, (laughs) our org chart for the ship. Thank you. Um, they also have, they each have a harpooner, Mm. like they're like assigned a harpooner. Um, so Starbuck and Queequeg go together at first and Stubb and Tashtigo go together. And then we have Flask and Dagu. And like, this is another plot point that i'm sure we'll get into the next episode but a when we talk more about ahab but ahab has brought an entire like extra crew that he just busts out yeah like through the shit through the journey and and the harpooners keep falling into stuff yes the harpooner the harpooners slip a lot fall into stuff fall into a whale's head and also they're they're each like they're each sort of like uh like uh, like each one of them is kind of like other in some way right like so Queequeg, he's from the he's yeah. from it kind of like new, the sort of the the south pacific uh uh, uh is a um uh a, a, a gay head uh indian uh so he's kind of from the massachusetts area and dagu is uh african correct mm-hmm. i think so yeah no, that yes, that's that's what I that's what I have in my notes. I answered very confidently for something that um, this is just a thing I generated. Um, okay, so so we have this crew. So let's, let's circle on back. Let's let's do a little reach around back to Ahab because um, he starts coming out of the cabin at one point, and it's like if you thought it was bad when he was in the cabin, get ready for him to get out of the cabin. Because he's just walking around, walking, 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 pacing on his one uh, whale bone leg. Um, He is like standing outside in any type of weather. He throws away his pipe because he's like, pipes are for chill guys and I'm not a chill guy. (laughs) He has no chill (laughs) at all. 
He has no chill. He behaves like the CEO of a tech startup. He yeah. has a vision, and it's going to get a lot of people mm-hmm. killed. And so uh, at one point, Ahab calls everyone together and says, we have all come here today for one reason, because I need to get some dick. Moby dick, that is. Have you seen my leg? Yeah, well, neither have I, because he ate it. So let's do some of that harpoon and I've heard so much about. And then he nails a gold coin to the masthead. The mast? I'm not looking it up. He nails it to wood on the boat. And he says, there's some gold for the person who says, first, I spy with my little eye, Moby Dick. And in the midst of all of this, we get the cytology chapter, which is a list of whales and jokes about said whales, how big they are, and what the results of their Myers-Briggs assessment are. Yes. We will talk more about that later today. I love that you've really underscored, um, like, this this thing about Melville that's my fave, which is, like, zero subtle subtlety whatsoever like let's name ahab after a bad guy but also like <laughs> he knows that you know because you're the reader and so he's like haha did you figure yeah. it out dumb dumb i put it right in your yeah. face he's winking yeah. he's winking yep. it hits you over the head with the symbol but every time he does he's fucking with you yeah so. oh, it's good so every good. time okay so uh we're gonna zip around a little bit because you gotta when you're talking about moby dick so um tristan give us a little give us a little uh taste of the chapter called the spouter in yeah the spouter in uh it, it is it's chapter three um it's it's when they're still in new bedford new bedford it's like right before ishmael meets Queequeg. um and like this was i think the first uh like i guess like once i started to feel like i really knew this book um this is the chapter where i think that like the sort of humor that is embedded in like everything it's asking comes to the surface and like so it starts with this description of what seems to be this painting like in the bar area of this like this sailors in um and i just i just want to read it because it's 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 magnificent um but what most puzzled and confounded you is a long limber portentous black mass of something hovering in the center of the picture over three blue dim perpendicular lines floating in a nameless yeast a boggy soggy squitchy picture truly enough to drive a nervous man distracted yet was there a sort of indefinite half attained unimaginable sublimity about it that it fairly froze you to it till you involuntarily took an oath with yourself to find out what that marvelous painting meant Ever and anon, a bright but, alas, deceptive idea would dart through you. It's the Black Sea at a midnight gale. It's the unnatural combat of four primal elements. It's a blasted heath. It's a hyperborean winter scene. It's the breaking up of an ice-bound stream of time. But at last, all these fancies yielded to that one portentous something in the picture's midst that once found out and all the rest were plain. But stop. Does it not bear a faint resemblance to a gigantic fish, even the great Leviathan himself? In fact, the artist's design seemed this, a final theory of my own, so he has no fucking idea, partly based <laughs> upon the aggregated opinions of many aged persons with whom I conversed upon the subject. The picture represents a Cape Horner in a great hurricane, the half-foundered ship weltering there with its three dismantled masts alone visible, and an exasperated whale uh, purposing to spring clean <laughs> over the craft is in the enormous act of impaling himself upon the three mastheads. Um, 
so I just want to say a couple things. One, I watched a lot of YouTube videos over the weekend of uh, sperm whales jumping, and uh, they they can't do. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's a giant mass of of an animal. Uh, they are not jumping over like impaling themselves on a masthead. It, it's like it is sublimity, but taken to the to the extremity that it starts to be like it, it's absurd. But the other thing is like the idea that that's what the picture represents. It's bullshit. This is a shitty, dirty fucking painting. Like that's got yeah. smoke and grease all over it and so like ishmael's just inventing what the fuck this is out of his mind but it's like like so many questions in the in the book as a whole there's like no stability to it like there's an interesting suggestion and it like oh actually this does seem kind of terrifying but then you poke at it and you're like wait i don't i don't think this is stable i i can't be sure what this means at all you know even though it like it wants to look like this like really important like signifier yeah, like look, yeah, he's looking for meaning in this dank, dirty painting, and it's like, it's like what he he's looking at one of those um, is it an old lady or a young woman things, and he's yeah. like, it's actually uh the the Holy Spirit, not any other part of the <laughs> Trinity, and yeah. it's doing the long jump. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and it's, it is it, that like yeah. anti-sublimity sublimity, right? Like I yeah. know that I am last in line for an Edmund, Edmund Burke take, but it does seem like a colossal joke at the expense of the sublime. Yes. Um, it- it's the ending scene of Free Willy if Free Willy said, like, <laughs> shit in the middle. Yeah. Free, yeah. If Free Willy ate the boy or whatever, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. but like, And also <laughs> threw himself on a, on its own fence, you know, like. Yeah. But, I mean, here's the thing. Like, there is definitely horror and terror in this narrative, right? Like, I mean, and, and, and like, um, just like sort of anger or despair at like the kind of injustice or like lack of signification. But like, that's why I say that Stubbs like sort of like get mad, but then laugh about it attitude might be that of the books. It's like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like this is terrified. Like the lack of meaning is horrifying, but Hey, you know what? <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty funny that this dumbass Ishmael thinks that this is what this painting is. And like, wouldn't that be fucking hilarious if you actually saw a whale do this you know <laughs> so and what the okay, dope, i i i'm only saying this because like uh we haven't agreed to talk about it but it does lend us nicely to like who is ishmael and what is he doing here as our proxy yes yeah, be- because like that, that's right. Who the fuck is Ishmael? Like he, you know, the first chapter, call me Ishmael. And like this backstory, it looks like he's a character. But then for so much of this novel, he like retreats into this almost omniscient third person perspective where he we just like lose track of him so much that like, yeah, it, it's like, I mean, because he is right. He is our proxy, but he himself is so unstable as just like a form within this narrative. There are parts that absolutely can't be narrated by him. No. And yet Just structurally somehow. speaking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we have like so we've joked around about this book, but it's it's the it's actually like the inverse of the Pierre thing, which is like Pierre is Pierre. Mm-hmm. Moby Dick is not Ishmael. Um and and there's something and there's and so there's something about the fact that like there are all these symbols in this book and not and not um characters like mm-hmm. everything is is 
incredibly representative and it's also not it's also like ishmael isn't a guy hanging out in nantucket and shit most of the book he's like in this in this alternate what he conceives of as an alternate reality Mm. at sea Mm -hmm. where like you know um what happens in the ocean stays in the ocean yeah yeah no exactly um and but okay yeah so but like so and i think that like that spout red chapter really does like i i don't know it, it gives you it, it gives you a sort of like yeah like well one sort of taste of how the novel to whole is going to come at the sort of big sort of ontological questions but like there there are also ways in which ishmael is definitely a character which is like okay so he meets queequeg like we do get these two dudes with this very very kind of like queer relationship together um but you know what i mean so like it, it, it does both it, that like it's such a great chapter because it does exist at like both of those levels the big kind of thematic but also like you know like those moments when we do kind of see person and character um and, and like th- those kind of more particularized questions are like super important to the novel too right like yeah no totally totally um ishmael is important uh because he's so weird and hard to figure out mm. like i in the same way that it almost the same way that fucking painting is yeah Mm. like he's 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 a puzzle and he may just be just like a fail son Mm -hmm. and we're trying and we read and and we read it through him and that's that's sort of where where we are Mm -hmm. but we also have somebody who is able to form some kind of relationships and participate in um some kind of common life with a bunch of other people who like him are really hard to figure out Mm-hmm. And who are given these like very, uh, you know, the descriptions are quite cursory. And so we're left with this sort of, you know, like the total matters a lot, right? Like the ship itself and and, and however you want to think about it, the common or the, the, the fake democracy or whatever uh, matters more that as a result of the people on it, then uh it's a it's it's accumulation right so like it's not that those characters don't matter they do but they matter more together mm-hmm. yes that's comp- yeah i think that's a that's a bomb ass point um because like uh there's this thing that that um leo bersani writes about moby dick and that like exact exactly what you're saying about like all this stuff that's that you get that's smushed together kind of um and it's like we have a ton of shit just crammed in and you have to and you have to see and you have to see signs everywhere but that when you read that it's like you're looking for symbols all the live long day and then and then you're not and then you're not reading because you're like imposing meaning in this way that you're not supposed to in this way that ishmael doesn't and Which is why things are so... You're introduced to every symbol with the same degree of, of like, determination, right? So every tattoo that Queequeg has is as dis- as, is as important as, as the ivory leg. Which, of course, is, like, not at all the case. But they're all given these, like, really rich descriptions. So you're, like, you're following, you're, you're following the symbolic logic all over the place. Yes. 
Absolutely. And you're trying to look for a pat. You you wind up, it's impossible to read this and not wind up a little like Ahab. Because yeah. you you try to see, you, you like try to see what the the whole thing means. You try to like fulfill the prophecy that you want to find yeah. in all these yeah, signs. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, you want to see the pattern. Yeah. Hey, Katie, you want, yep. you want to, you want to hear something? Y- yeah, I do. Is that article called, is the blowhole a grave? <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that that's funny? A, that's a good one. That was a really good one. A, I'm not sure it was. I'm not sure it'll make the final cut. That's up to you, but that's a solid. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's a solid joke. Yeah. I, uh, but I, I mean, I, I maybe I'm like, I'm in, I'm in Tristan land, but I do think that like the notion of the ship as this, as it, as like, uh, socially unique. Yeah. Or maybe socially particular. No, but socially unique, right? Ishmael thinks of it that way. It's like what happens in the sea stays on the sea. Well, and, and also, I mean, and this might actually be a good place, too, to talk directly about, like, you know, Queequeg and, and the Ishmael-Queequeg relationship, because I think that's, like, a first version of, of what you get the ship producing, yes. right? But but no, and, and I like this, this you know, like, because this feels in some ways like the term we're about to make so disconnected from the kind of, like, psychoanalytic or big sort of, like, sort of, stru- like, like, structural in the sense of, like, symbolic meaning questions mm-hmm. that we've been asking um like this more shifts into like almost kind of a, like a, a to me like more familiar kind of historicist register but like the book is constantly doing all of that which is part of what makes it so great right um and so i mean there are a few really important things to note about queequeg like meg i know you want to you know like uh, the, the race and ethnicity part of it which i think is super important also like being melville we can't talk about this without talking about the intensely kind of queer relationships right um and and like so i mean the, like the, the next chapter after you know the, the spouter in and you know uh, ishmael's gone to bed queequeg's joy to the begotten you know what well, there's been almost a fight because queequeg's like who the fuck are you but then he very like quickly when he's like oh this is just another sailor it turns out queequeg's this really great guy um so okay so but this this is how chapter four the counterpane uh starts well, Upon let me waking. just like make a quick note, which mm-hmm. is that like, uh, it is queer, mm-hmm. but it's also just like, <laughs> like butt sex. Like queer <laughs> is queer is like a broader, yes. like yes. conceptual question, but this is also like fucking. Oh yes, one hundred percent. It's like both. It's like queer is inconceptually queer, but also just like fucking. Yes. Well, it's, it, I will say that it, it's like, it, cause we, you know, we talked, when we talked about Billy Budd, you know, all those many episodes ago, for instance, it's not, it's not like, it, it just feels very different from that, but like, it's still, it, it's it, like, it's, it's not like, it's not like Billy Budd, like per, the character Billy Budd is like intensely eroticized in a yes. way that I don't think Queequeg is. And yet, like, I mean, there is definitely like a male male bond that I think like goes beyond like homosociality, like fucking is definitely suggested. Um, and, and, but, but, and then I think that it, that does like scope out like to me, you know, uh, more, maybe kind of like a, a more kind of conceptual like queerness just like how the ship itself comes to be structured but i'll just like because i think this, this is one of the most famous parts of, of like uh, of the novel asked to these questions so chapter but he is like his body is is like uh, uh, no i think his body is like sexy 
It's the end it, of the it, spouter in that that it's like muscly and fucking you know. No, bronzed. you know what? You're right, and I think that I I think that I like tend to forget that because then it like it devolves into this humor about how like they like were embarrassed getting dressed in front of each other. Well, I don't want to say devolved. Right. It, yeah. it like it gets out of that. It's like oh, then he like he he like went under the bed to pull up his pants and like shit like that. But uh, but I just wanted to read it. Sorry, I just want to read this one real quick. Yeah. Upon waking next morning about daylight, I found Queequeg's arm was thrown over me in the most loving and affectionate manner. You had almost thought I had been his wife. Um, and like that, that's, that's one of the more famous lines of the novel. Yeah. And it's like, it is embodied and it's, it's really, he like talks about how warm it is to be in bed with him and stuff like that. Yeah. And he does talk about being curious about his, his body and, and, and describing how it looks and not being able to look away when he's changing. Yeah. It's also like, but he's, he's fascinated and he is, um, like Queequeg is his, he, he's in, they're in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, sure. And they have this like, but they, but the, their relationship has this, like, it's not fucking, it's like the goofy domestic. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're so, I mean, it's not, I like, I don't, I don't have a I don't have a hot take about like what exactly Melville wants us to think went down, but I think he he what's being emphasized is like that there's this like softness of people's bodies even in this space that's apart from that's on the sea and that is they're on a ship with a fucking maniac. I mean not not then, but but that's that's how it starts is these two like just just cuddling like yeah. in this very in a sweet way and it's not like um you know later we get the jizz but like that's not what their relationship is about yeah well it, it, and that's why I say it's like it, it it is um i mean it's definitely the, the kind of erotization is there but it's not it like in billy bud that it's like it, it's it's chapter after chapter of like staring up at the dude's ass right like whereas this yeah, it is yeah. like it well there yeah and like the, there is a bond there i mean it's a, it is a very kind of loving bond um i think we can also think of it as like a bond between two like outsiders or kind of marginalized figures like queequeg because he's like sort of a racial ethnic outsider or Ishmael because like who the fuck knows he just does not feel as though he's a part of or fits into kind of like social structures and so like they form their like we see them kind of start to form their own society which then maybe maps on to like what Mm -hmm. other aspects of the ship are doing maybe it's intention with that it's not it's not anti-social whatever it is like that it, it 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 lets them fit in with each other and also like they still participate in the sociality of the ship. Like they're not, not rowing with the other people. Right. They're not. But like, I, you know. I mean, I accept that you are in the snuggles camp, but I am firmly in the butt stuff camp. <laughs> I mean, so I- tweet at us. <laughs> To let us know if you're into the snuggly holding hands under the covers camp or the definitely butt stuff camp. And I am going to uh, be Mr. Lib both sides and be like, it could be both though, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it can't be both. Well, well, but like the erotic is not always sex. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is I think like my sticking point. And maybe like I'm weird. I have this thing about like, um, this is, when I remember most that, that these characters are not people like in sure. this weirdo way that, uh, that I'm, that I 
don't all the time. But in this case, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. It's because he just, he, lo- because he also says that Queequeg like redeemed and saved him mm-hmm. in this way. That's like and his butt. He- <laughs> he redeemed his butt. That's po- I'm. It's po- it's possible. It's <laughs> it's. There are other things that people do in their tiny little beds that don't have anything to do with butts or might or might not. <laughs> so if it's sexual, it may not. Just because you're obsessed with butts doesn't mean everybody else. Is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. But I think that there's plenty of evidence with the like, the, the, the description of Queequeg. And like, I think that there's something at stake with it being about butts. Like, I do Mm -hmm. think that that's something that's sort of like, um, uh, if it's sexual, then and you bring that sexual relationship onto the ship, then it sort of like, puts a pin in a particular version of the symbolic order. But I think that all of that like this this book absolutely holds either way mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and and also too i mean not that you know i mean like looks like sex on its own terms is like it's really important and i don't want to say like oh just because it's about just because it's about butts that's not that that makes it like less you're not as as like this is serious literature i'm not saying but but i but i do think that that gets that that itself gets to other big thematic questions which is the extent to which this is like an interrogation of like free like how you could find freedom from certain social structures and yeah. spaces of alterity yes. um that it is super invested in um and then you know i mean well i think we'll talk next time about the way in which like the ship is a space of like tyranny or not uh like is super important to what the novel's doing i think that the, the sex the sexual stuff fits very much into like the, like i think there are clear points of connection there i guess what i want is what i what i'm trying to think through is like okay so there's a lot of there's a lot of eroticism and a lot of it is like what do you mean by butt? Like, do you, is that like a, is that like a stand in for, because, because that's where I'm getting hung up because like, even if they're doing, they could be 69ing all day. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have no, I have no way of knowing. Um, I just mean, however like, you want to look at having sex as whatever you, whatever you want that to mean. Like I, I, uh, it's not Billy Bud, right? It's not like uh, it's not, in Billy Bud. The 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 narrative wants you to bite his juicy ass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Very. And true. I don't think you get yeah. that. That's not here. But I think it's like uh, it's like I think it's some version of some sex. However you want to take that. Yeah. I'm not like people getting fisted in this. You know, it's not like I insist yeah. upon one version of that. Yeah, no, I guess it's just like, it's like, can't, can't they be in love and, and maybe they like their sexuality to it. And we don't know what it is. Like, isn't the mystery of that important? Well, and and I do think again, that like, 
the difference to me, well, and, and we got to remember too that Billy Bud was like a, an unfinished book, but like, right. th- like relationships in Moby Dick are just like generally more, uh, like their thought, like, well, I, it just at the level of like, the, you know, any kind of description of Moby Dick is a little bit more fully realized. So I think there are more, there are multiple layers of kind of meaning and significance here, um, that, that might be true of Billy Bud, which is also like a, a, an amazing book. Um, but, yeah. Um, but but you are but, sort of pointing out that like, uh, and I had never thought about this before, but like, while I think that it's erotic, however you want to take it, it's also like Melville's not a huge fan of the couple form. Right. That doesn't actually happen very often. Um, when you just talked about Benito Serino and the only couple form that you could possibly see there is Babo and Benito Serino, which is a sick fucking joke if you think yeah. that that's a couple form. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And here you actually get something. Yeah. They're married. Yeah. No, they totally. are. They they really are. Um uh yeah, I, I know. I I mean it's a, it's a much like yeah, it's it's a much it's a much more um like stable kind of relationship or connection or or just like more I don't I like authentic's a dumb word, but you know what I mean? It's it's just like a more fully realized kind of like, oh, what would it look like if you actually had two people who shared this kind of intense emotional bond that um yeah, that is is very different. Melville seems not to believe in love otherwise. So I just like we should put a little bit of a marker in this, put a pin in it, which is that we are very much next week coming back to the question of like Queequeg, uh the indigene, the question of race nation and so we'll get there dear listener but for now uh we're going to talk about whale whale fishies and the cytology chapter mm-hmm. um, why is it here yes and so- <laughs> it, it is one of my favorite chapters it is hilarious but when i say hilarious uh it is a joke at your expense uh much like benito sereno kind of is although it's not really a joke at your expense that's a you're an asshole at your expense um but like yes like so it is this long i mean it's, it's an amazing fucking chapter uh it it it, it, it taxonomizes whales but it first it, it it uh breaks them up into folio whales octavo whales and duodecimo whales which are of course book sizes right Right? Like not, not not biology, but then like uh, the joke Megan made at the at the uh, at the top of the the uh, the episode where it's it's like uh, it's basically like well there there is a question as to whether or not uh, a, a whale is is uh, you know is a, is a mammal or uh, or or not you know because it milks and like live birth but uh, but but before he gets into like breaking down the sizes of whales he says be it known that <laughs> wavy doll argument I t- I take the good old fashioned ground that the whale as a fish and call up an holy Jonah to back me. The <laughs> yeah. fundamental thing settled. The next point is, in what internal respect does the whale differ from other fish? Above, Linnaeus is giving you those items, but in a brief, they are these. Lungs and warm blood, whereas all other fish are lungless and cold-blooded. Right, and those lying scientists would tell you, lungs, warm blood, milk, live birth, means it's not a fucking fish, but Melville's like, no. It's a fish. <laughs> Shut up. It's a fish, <laughs> dum-dum. <laughs> It's Billy the Big Mouth Bass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's also worth, it's also worth noting that he names he like he he keeps that energy as he's naming chapters. So he has um 55 is monstrous pictures of whales and then 56 is less erroneous pictures of whales. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and he also he's like, like a well actually guy about whales and he's wrong about all sure. of them. I was 
I, I was reading to, I, I'm not, I'm not a cytologist, uh, but like I was reading like that uh, in, in so the notes in my edition, right? Like, so the blue whale is uh, the blue whale is the largest whale. Um, it, 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 it actually is. It's so large and so fast that until they invented motorized boats, um, it was impossible to hunt, which is why like, so it, it actually survived fair. It's fucked up now, but it survived uh, fairly well for most of the whaling era. But like, and, and Melville knew that the blue whale was the biggest, uh, but yet that didn't fit with his narrative. His narrative, right. the sulfur bottom whale, is what he calls it, because yellow stomach. Uh, so he's just like, he's just like, no, I'm just going to make the sperm whale the biggest, because otherwise that would make Moby Dick less impressive. <laughs> I like. Am I? I find the descriptions of these to be some of the silliest writing. Yes. In. American history. So like uh <laughs> when he's talking about the razorback, he says, Of this whale little is known but his name. I have seen him at a distance off Cape Horn. Of a retiring nature, he eludes both hunters and philosophers, though no coward. He has never yet shown any part of him but his back, which rises in a long, sharp ridge. Let him go. I know little more of him, nor does anybody else. Then why the <laughs> fuck did you have that whole paragraph? I know. They're all, also all the whales are cute shy girls like they're all cute shy girls <laughs> they're all the perks of being a wallflower the the finback is not gregarious he seems a whale hater <laughs> as some men are man haters very shy always going solitary unexpectedly rising to the surface in the remotest and most sullen waters yeah. his straight and single lofty jet rising like a tall misanthropic spear upon a barren plain so I have to say that, like, I, I, I a little bit want to take back my, like, oh, this is a joke at you, the reader's expense, because, like, reading this aloud with you guys, like, no, it's actually really fucking funny as you're, like, reading it, you know? It, it's Tinder for whale hunters. Like, it's what for whale hunters? Tinder. Oh, it's Tinder. For- Tinder for whale hunters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> Swipe, swipe left on the on the sulfur bottom whale. Although we don't know anything about him, so isn't he mysterious? It's 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 this nice uh, it's this nice pastiche too of like kind of the nineteenth century naturalist language. Although again, the fact that he's like it's a fish, like that in and of itself, like <laughs> and, and you know that he just makes up facts as he goes along. Um, but yeah, well, and I also too like think that like, and I know one reason why we wanted to talk about this was to think of like, I think next time we we said that we'll we'll think more specifically about form and like how do you classify this as a novel or not. If this is a novel, what the fuck is this chapter? It's just this like <laughs> dopey, goofy digression that has like it tells you nothing that you need to know. But it's like you know, but it's it's like I don't know, but it's it's like okay, oh, like oh, so in some ways, this is a book about knowledge and how you know anything. Well, okay, so what I'm going to do here is just like this like little send up of like a kind of like scientific way of talking about the world. Um, I guess it's it's so much longer than like the majority of other of the other like it's it's like twice as long yeah then like more important chapters in but it also starts like already we are boldly launched upon the deep but soon we shall be lost in its unshored harborless immensities yeah 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 yeah, like like that's fucking the way that it starts and then he's like this one's shy this one's cute (laughs) this one's friendly this one's mad yeah this one's flipper right (laughs) uh yeah no melville has melville fucked a whale almost certainly (laughs) 
But I also want to know, is this the shit that when he sent his book to Hawthorne, was he like, hey, Herm, what if you yeah. put more stuff in here about whales? Yes. <laughs> like, oh, just oh, whale stuff. <laughs> just whale stuff. No plot. Just a whale stuff chapter. I think it was just whales before Hawthorne got to it. And he was like, what if it was whales and metaphors? What if we did that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that sounds like very, uh, very Hawthorne to me. Like that, that tracks very much with the, you know, I haven't read enough Hawthorne, but broad enough to know that. Can anyone truly be said to have read enough Hawthorne? There's no such thing. <laughs> How, you've read like all of Hawthorne, no? I've, re- I've read probably too much Hawthorne. <laughs> I have full, I have full Hawthorne I brain. Have, um, I still have to read the Marble Fawn. The Marble oh. Fawn is shit it's so good but but this it's is so thing. good this is a digression but i actually think it's important because like because uh, i'm like oh hawthorne's my favorite author but moby dick's my favorite book like this is why because hawthorne's little hawthorny paws are all over this and that's why it's so f- that's like a huge part of the reason it's so fucking good mm-hmm. is because like if melville were hawthorne hawthorne would have been better right right <laughs> uh okay katie do you have questions for us? Or are we playing ship or boat? I don't want to play ship or boat. <laughs> Who, me? Questions for you? Why, yes, I do. Uh, and we're not playing ship or boat um, yet. <laughs> um, I just, I want to take a moment before we begin to say, to share something personal. Again, I know I don't like to do this, but sometimes I will. Uh <laughs> just kind of get into how how it affects me being both a podcaster and a fine and genteel lady is it about your <laughs> wonderful uh therapist third care third supporting character on our podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> yes indeed uh, i'm sure i'm sure that uh, Stuart and i will discuss this um but it's it's just the fact that i am really i, I truly am a fine and genteel lady true and um, and sometimes all this this you know we do this Moby Dick this and sperm whale that <laughs> and oh this and the other thing and it just wears you down and so I thought for this game that we could just switch gears a little bit and get to something more elevated. Sure. Okay. And so this game is called Dick Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> cool. and, and it's and it's because of dicks right the penises you know yeah. harpoons if i may <laughs> right white whales depending on the okay well uh, i think i've made my point so and you, and harpoons and whales in this case they're they're euphemisms for penises i just want it right penises surely okay not. i just because I, mean, I, I got a little <laughs> i got a little confused because you were saying dicks penises but then you said these other things so I was, okay all right i got it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no the only words you need to pay attention to that i said are are dicks and penises okay um then you can quote me on that uh but <laughs> but we're gonna <laughs> no butts allowed oh next time it'll be for butts yeah okay yeah we'll do yeah um okay but but this time we're gonna find out whether you're more of a dick or a johnson and of course by that i mean richard nixon 
or LBJ. <laughs> oh no. Two two yes. fine fine choices there. That's right. Two fine choices and we'll know just by answering a few simple questions. Okay. The first the first one if you're prepared is which of the following best describes your thoughts after a long hard firm <laughs> throbbing day of of being the president uh. wait can i just can i just jump in with uh drunkenly wandering the halls talking to paintings yeah that's- yeah that's 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 going to be the off off menu option. Okay, <laughs> let me hear the menu, and then I'm still going to go for the specials. But go ahead. Yeah, you can t- totally order the special. Um, a, I've often thought that if there had been a good rap group around in those days, I might have chosen a career in music instead of politics. Okay, uh-huh. so we're reconsidering. Um, B, when the burdens of the presidency seem unusually heavy i always remind myself that it could be worse i could be a mayor (laughs) (laughs) so which one kind of best best describes your feelings about the task of of presidenting are you are you sort of avoidant or more philosophical yeah, I mean, so I like so I before I decided to get into the lucrative world of academia, I was a, I was a reporter uh, in in New Jersey, Katie, uh, covering covering state and and often municipal politics. And I cannot tell you how much I hated my life sitting through like zoning board meetings in like Brick, New Jersey. Oh yeah, uh, it's it, oh. like the lower you get on the fucking scale of government, the dumber things get and mind you at the federal level things are extremely dumb uh so, <laughs> yes. yeah remarkably yes. dumb so so i think i get that it's like as, as shitty as being president would would be and, and uh yeah like you could be a mayor you could be the mayor of south bend indiana for instance yeah i'm definitely picking that which is the worst job i can think of i can i just am imagining there's no version of my vast imagination in which I play the piano with the local symphony and that's like awesome. Right. No. <laughs> no, no. There's not. There's not. There's no version of me like playing playing like after school, you know, AR fifteen. You know, like no. there's no that's there's no there's no version of my life where this is even imaginable. No. No. And and everyone hates mayors too. It's like I mean, like New York City, right? It's like more people than any other city in the country. How many New York mayors have gone on to be president or really anything afterwards? It's like none because everyone's like, "Fuck that asshole!" Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) fuck that person. Go do like reverse mortgage commercials. That's all you're good for. Yeah, (laughs) but come on, real late at night. Okay, so so we're not we're not going to be the mayor. Uh, you're going to maybe um, you know maybe reconsider and go into to music. Perhaps join a rap group. Sure. Is that yes. Is that is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> no, it's the other one because it's at least I'm not mayor. Okay, you're going to be the yeah. Ma- okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah that's what I mean. Yeah, that that's that's what I would use to to console myself. Yes. Okay, I misunderstood my own question, which is an indication of how well today is going. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, you, you could just remind yourself that you could be a mayor and you move on. 
Um, and we can yeah. also move on to number two. Here's the question. Women. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? Okay. <laughs> so here are your two. <laughs> so, so here are your two. Here are your two choices. Um, you know your your attitudes. To, uh, if somebody says women, am I right, ladies? Yeah. A, greater love hath no man than to attend the Episcopal Church with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> or B, I'm not for women in any job. I don't want any of them around. Thank God we don't have any in the cabinet. <laughs> oh, B, for sure. <laughs> Because yeah. I am the kind of girl, like, I don't hang out with girls, like, just men are way more, way less drama. Yeah, no, you're, you're not like, you You don't want to deal with wandering wombs and, you right. know, all that stuff. What, yeah. What was the Episcopal Church one again? I think I didn't understand the quote. <laughs> Greater love hath no man than to attend the Episcopal Church with his wife. Greater, uh, okay. I mean... I, you know, I grew up. It's a weird quote. It is a weird quote. I grew up in Episcopal Church, uh, which I, I mean, I'm that I, I decided I don't, you know, believe in God. Um, so, <laughs> sure, I'll, t- I'll take that for old time's sake, I guess. I mean, obviously, okay. I can't, like, you know, I can't pick any religious answer given the fevered anti Semitism of both of these people. It's <laughs> true. Very true. Very true. It's quite few. Well, we're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good. Okay. We're going to get to that. Okay. So, like, say you're maybe hanging around with a couple pals, uh, and and you're just talking about some some stuff that's 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 wrong with the world that you think is wrong with the world. Um. So, which of the which of the following of these uh, best describes something you might say? Okay. Mm-hmm. A. Uh, that White House economic policies are, quote, the worst thing that's happened to this country since pantyhose ruined finger fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Or B, you might take a different different angle. Um, Say, you know, it's a funny thing. Every one of those bastards that are out for legalizing marijuana is Jewish. What the Christ is the matter with the Jews, Bob? What is the matter with them? I suppose it is because most of them are psychiatrists. Oh, what is better than Jews, psychiatrists, and marijuana? Like, I don't understand the loathing that's clearly, like, implied in that. Those are my literal three favorite things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Me, me too. Um, all right, and also, I would just have to say, like, it, it is so obvious that that answer B is Nixon in this case. Right? <laughs> but I didn't and even I, need to hear B before I knew that A was yeah Johnson. <laughs> yeah, no, and and I I will say yeah, uh, I like. Not that I want to be either of these people. Uh, a has a very nice. Uh, if you guys are fans of either, well, Veep certainly, but the the British inspiration for Veep, uh, the thick of it, uh, oh, yeah. I, that is like definitely something I could hear like Malcolm Tucker saying. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yep. yeah. So I'll I'll take that one, um, and also because like yeah, the obvious. Maybe he's talking to Bob Haldeman, right? So <laughs> I don't I don't want to be LBJ, but I don't want to be Nixon either. So. Right, but like, what's awesome about Jews is like a perfectly legitimate question. And it's right. all yeah. it's all things. Yeah, yeah. It's 
it's all things. No, definitely. Um, yeah. Okay, so so you're so we're going with so so help me out here. We're going with A or B. A. Okay, so we're doing separates. Okay, yeah. okay. Wait. Um, is is that what's wrong with the world? Yeah. What's yeah. How would you talk about what's wrong with the world? Oh, I guess. Would you... No, you're right. Then it's A. I yeah, thought I was yeah. being tongue in cheek, but A. Yeah. Okay, so we're both we're both getting A's. Yeah. Um. Okay. Like Jews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that that question is definitely Nixon working through his like, I mean, very very weird anti-Semitism, right? Like, right. Like every opinion he has is like, a, like a recognizable genre, like just. You know, but bigotry, weird. but also insane. Yeah, they're like they're they're yep. the opinions that any asshole would have, except weird, right? right. <laughs> like, like I didn't know there was a stereotype about legalizing marijuana, but here we are. Like, yeah, he, I guess he made it, it up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite shocking, um, and yet somehow also not, <laughs> and uh, also not, and also not at all. Um, okay, so imagine this. You you get into a time machine, and you're you're the GD president of the United States. Holy shit! Oh no! And somebody asks you, perhaps one of the lion fake news media says, um, "Hey, why did the United States uh, stay in Vietnam so long?" Okay, so what? So so how might you answer that question? A is very direct. Um, Pull out your penis and answer, this is why. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Or B, change the subject by asking a question like, well, did you do any fornicating this weekend? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, B is obviously Nixon. Um, Yeah, sure. No, again, no, I knew that after I heard A. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, that's definitely yes. A is definitely not a Nixon move. Um, yeah, sure. And hey, why not? I'm the kind of psychopath that starts like a genocidal war in Southeast Asia. I'm also the kind of psychopath that just pulls my penis out. So <laughs> I'm gonna Let's go, go with it. Nixon. I can't believe it. Like, did you you're gonna go with morning? Nixon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. I hate LBJ with the fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> I also oh what one thing it's so much fun to do with the water cooler is to to get around your your coworkers and you know anybody else and just say who didn't who did some fornicating this weekend <laughs> yeah yeah I mean given in these times probably no one right no one <laughs> what what a weird weird man <laughs> you know what an incredibly yeah. strange person okay so are we go so so Megan you're going with did we do any fornicating this weekend yes. And, um, and I'm just pull, pulling the pulling the dick out, like you know, as, okay. as an answer okay. to the this question. This is why. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It gives the it gives the um with my dick in my hand a whole new meaning. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Go do jo- go do a genocide. <laughs> go yep. do. Yeah. Cool. Um. Okay. So here is your final question. Your final question. Um, and it's about, oh, dear. Um, well, in a way, it's about education. Um, <laughs> in another way, it's about other things. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about about war, folks. Um, Hilarious. <laughs> think yeah. about war. Um, okay, so so if you had to best describe your feelings uh, about about our imperial misadventures and atrocities, um, if you were the president, would you say something like a I'm not going to be the first American president to lose a war. Or would you say something more like B? And to give a kind of meta reflection, which is on our on our foreign on our foreign policy and misadventures in general. Um, and say something like, the CIA is made up of boys whose families sent them to Princeton but wouldn't let them into the family brokerage business. Oh, B. Yeah, B. No, Nixon's right about that. Yeah, yeah. B. Nixon is a hundred percent right about his like Matt anti, like his weird beta terror. Yeah. I faked out. That was Johnson. Oh shit! Really? Well, that makes sense, though. You know that does make yeah. sense because Johnson also yeah. was was not was not from that kind of like Ivy League set. Um, That's true. Yep. Yep. And and by the way, that edged you both into LBJ territory. So congratulations um, in this game it. of Dick Dick Johnson. You're Johnsons. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'll and, and I, shit. Oh fuck me, Nixon or LBJ? Who would I rather be? Uh, all right, fine, whatever. There's no good answer, so you know. There's no good answer. We're all losers here. Me for having to go through all of these quotes. <laughs> yeah. Most of all, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, there's something about LBJ. Like, I like the, I like being crass, but also like, I Nixon is so weird, so weird. Right. I mean, as much of an asshole as he is and a racist and everything else, there's like a, I don't know, there's like a certain charisma to LBJ, or he's just, he's like a somewhat compelling figure uh, in a way that's not purely tragic like Nixon is. Right. You know? like, uh, so. So, like, like LBJ took, took a shit in front of uh, like many people. Right. Yes. Yeah. That was a power. Didn't he move. also have like naked pool parties and shit? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. He also, um, he also would like brag about how he fucked more than Kennedy, and he said, "This is a good one that I was hoping that I was hoping there'd be like a a parallel quote, but there wasn't." Um, he said that Gerald Ford is so dumb he can't fart and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Johnson, it is. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh now that we whipped him out, let's whip it back in, folks. <laughs> yep, that's how I understand whipping is done. Okay. It's it's just it's a dream. Uh okay. This has been Better Red Than Dead. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find me on Twitter at Tesslersaurus. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at betterredpod and email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com, but only if you want to weigh in as to whether a whale is a fish, which it definitely is. <laughs> um, our intro music is Left Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Please rate and review us and subscribe so you get a brand new shiny episode on some Sundays. Uh, next week, we are finishing up 
our Melville Spectacular with our second episode on Moby Dick, which I think will be less of a slog than our previous two-part episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I genuinely think that. And then we are talking about porn, 18th century style, which uh, we're reading Fanny Hill because we're all isolated and why the fuck not? So thanks, comrades. <laughs> Never been born and away, my